Hey guys, we are back. Welcome to another episode of More Than a Title. This is season two, episode 14. I'm your host as usual, Jared Thomas, and we got a crazy little episode lined up for you guys, man. So before we begin, I just want to say thank you again to everybody who's supporting, man. We're growing week over week. I really, you know, I really appreciate all the love, the comments, the likes, the shares. Like, I really appreciate all you guys. So, you know, more, more news to come on that stuff. And also, man, just shout out to everybody. Happy holidays. Shout out to all the parents, man. Shout out to everybody who's unemployed right now. Shout out to everybody who's searching for jobs. Everybody, man, this episode is dedicated to y'all, man, because we're making it happen. Families, everything. We're about to have Christmas, man. We're still blessed, even if it's a tough year. 2023 is going to be the, the bounce back year for everyone, y'all. You know what I mean? We're going to get it. So before we get into it, man, let's get into this brother, man. We have a special guest lined up, man. I met this brother at the Art of Storytelling. Shout out to Ken, shout out to Emmanuel. And I heard a story, man, that I just knew I had to have him on the show. So, you know, this brother's raised, uh, San Francisco raised, New York City born, spent the bulk of his career in Europe, logging five years in Paris, three years in Amsterdam, where he led the global lead on Adidas and Gatorade. He was also has a gambit of clients from cities from, you know, Ultra Boost leading global campaigns that recently went in accounts like the Las Vegas Tourism and IHG and Crack and rum he's also ad we creative top 100 won prestigious awards like the con lions dnad one show cleo's trophies marketing grand prix strategies andre's also the digital um author of digital anthropomorphism humanizing the brand a master of arts in global communications an advocate for underrepresented voices you know through works like black madison avenue that he did with you know shout to to walt but let's you know introduce this good brother man andre gray man how are you bro Good, thank you for having me. Yeah, plus, yes, sir, man. You got a crazy story, man. Crazy background, man. I'm honored to have you on the show, bro. Like I said, man, when I first heard your story on art of storytelling, man, I just wanted to have a real conversation with you, man. And and you know, this is all about you, man. I didn't want to, people who are first time listeners, this show is not about the tips and tactics or none of that stuff. It's all about talking about the real stories, man. We've spoken to CEOs who've been, you know, bootstrapped, sleeping in the car for six months, getting the idea off. Those are the things that I want to hear, man. I want to hear brothers overcoming obstacles to see their you know career ascend what you have to do and how do we give that back to the younger generation the next one's up so if you want to bro let, let's start at the top man so you're new york city born but san francisco raised which one you repping bro you you, you with me or you <laughs> what's good <laughs> it must be two sides um nah it's it's never it's never one or the other you know what i mean like I, for me i think I always try to show up as best I can as myself and be authentic. So, yeah. you know, being in New York, and it's funny too. I talked to my pops the other day and he was like, he was like, nah, you from New York. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, bro. But like, I'm no SF, you know what I'm saying? Like, like growing up, I know New York as an adult, like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. My, my childhood was in San Francisco and, and I, and I think that's important. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to be one of these cats. There's so many people that come to New York and try to be like, Oh, I'm a New Yorker. And I'm like, okay, where are you from though? You know what yeah. I mean? So I would never, I would never fake the funk in that way. But um, New York is, New York is crazy, man. Like, like I said, born here. Um, you know, live here until until I was, you know, four or five. Then, uh, then moved out to San Francisco, which was a, a super formative experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think my parents, you know, they set me up to be in an environment. The biggest difference that I see it is like San Francisco is a place where I could figure out who I was before the city asked me. And New York doesn't always give you that privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't ask you who you are. And so, you know, that's what my parents wanted for me. I think it was one of probably three super formative decisions that they made in, in my life. And, you know, it's been a blessing. So I got hella love for San Francisco. I, I think a lot of people, you know, 
talk about how the city's changing and all this kind of other stuff, but it's always been a great place. Like everything's on top of each other. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you'll be on one block, you'll be at Neiman Marcus, you know, and, and the next block, it's not that, you know what I mean? Yes. And so you just get exposed to a lot of different things. Um, you get to be by the water, you know, you get to, you know, go hiking and, and all kinds of other stuff. So it's just like, a, it gives you a wide range of exposures, you know, so I always count that as a blessing. That definitely a diverse culture, bro. I've never been to San Francisco. I want to go. I want to see the hills. I want to go in the damn trolley. I need to do all that. You got to, nah, you got to, you got to tap in. I'll let you know where to really pull up at. Yeah, man. I'm the, once, I, once we get this business popping, bro, I'm going to have my pursuit of happiness moment right on the trolley. Yeah, <laughs> you already snow the vibes, bro. But like, but tell us, tell us about your, your journey, bro. So like going into high school or, or like leaving high school, you know, you lead, you go into your studies, bro. How did you lead into the, to the industry, man? How, how did you get exposed to it? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting one because I actually you know I I love sports I really believe sports is like the you know the best microcosm for life and so I was kind of on a path to say you know I'm gonna go you know be a doctor I'm gonna go work in sports medicine I yeah. think you know like a lot of you know my my pops is Guyanese like a lot of first generation immigrants you know what I'm saying it's like doctor yeah exactly you know what I'm saying so that was that was the vibe. And then after my freshman year, I kind of, I just wanted to do something. I wanted to like have an impact on the world. And I didn't want to wait until, until I was 35. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, no, no, obviously being a doctor is, is, is an amazing thing, but yeah. there's a lot of patience involved before you can kind of get in. And I felt like I had more to do and more to say, you know, more quickly. So yeah. I started to look at kind of myself and my skills and, and what was out there and, for me, like advertising, it was kind of like two questions. It's like, I I believe wholeheartedly in the platform, right? Like brands are always going to want to sell things, right? So the sure. better you understand that, you understand on the business side, right? You're always going to get a job because I can sell things, right? Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, it's all about people at the end of the day, right? So it's like, okay, I could, I could get with that. I could spend every day, you know, studying people, trying to understand what makes them tick, trying to understand what value that they, they see, you know, and, and all of that. So that all kind of, you know, lined up and made sense. And, and I kind of set my sights on advertising. I mean, that the honest truth of it is I wanted to work in advertising, but I wasn't really getting a lot of traction. Like when I graduated college, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it, it was a, it was a, it was a struggle a bit. You know what I'm saying? Like you had to, I think you, you, you sit there at your house and, and you're doing this and doing that. And, you know, freelancing and, and, and getting small gigs, but you're seeing other people that you're like this bum, like, you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> Ain't no way. And I, I, I don't know if that energy ever left. You know what I'm saying? I'm still over here. <laughs> time, like, That's I real. Know. I love that you said that, bro. That's bro, mad real. I'm like, bro, come on. <laughs> that's, that's a fact, man. But that, 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 yo, that's, but that's what I love about y'all profession, bro. And I'm kind of mad that I didn't go into that because I'm a straight seller. Like how I got into it, bro, I snuck in the back door. Like I was doing reverse mortgages. I was doing barista. I was a waiter, bro. And then I ended up just going for a, call, a hospital call center gig. Dude heard me. And the next day, you know, I'm selling digital ads and banner ads and stuff. I'm like, all right, cool. But you know what I'm saying? Then I went into the, I worked at Con Lines, bro. I was one of the first American employees. So I was oh, selling cool. the archive. So I don't know if you're familiar with this. I was selling that product. I'm doing all that. I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm like, damn, these is this is what's winning. 
<laughs> so it was, it was that mindset. It was like, yo, damn, this is the work that's winning. This is what people are being heralded for and put on a pedestal for. Yeah, I'm from the streets. I got ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm culture. You know what I mean? I would love to get on that side. Then kind of flipped and went into an agency and was a VP of business development, bro. But you guys have all of the things I love combined in one row. And that's mm. what makes it so exciting, bro. You got the sales. You got every facet of marketing, whether it's experiential, whether it's programmatic, SEO, content. You got to know how all those things work together to provide the value for the client, bro. So, like, I love to talk about that, bro. Like, and where did you get your sales background from, too, bro? Like, like the, yeah. the being able to pitch, because that's a skill. And I yeah. think it's like singing. It's either you have it or you don't. Like, you could go through sales trainings, but we know the great ones when you see them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. No, that's, that's a fact. I mean... I, bro, I think it's it comes from the Bay, man. Like, you know, I sell an Eskimo ice at a high price and get it twice. Like, you know, <laughs> that's just how we – it's funny, man, because, like, you know, having spent, you know, eight years abroad, I've been kind of off the radar and coming back to the States. Like, I've been back, like, two years now, you know what I mean, and reconnecting with folks and stuff like that. And I could just see across the board, like, it's so many, you know – like they say, you know, players from the Himalayas, like it's so many people that have come from the Bay and they're wildly successful in these different areas. And they all have like a certain demeanor and a certain way of moving in a certain way of being able to to market and package and impact people with what they say. You know what I'm saying? The gift of God, as they say, you know what I'm saying? And like and it's funny to see how many places in which that translates. Like you got to be able to talk your shit, man. Like otherwise yeah. it's going to be. It's going to be a uphill. like, I don't know. I mean, another version of the world that's not based on capitalism and it's not based on on that kind of stuff. There's probably space for people. You know what I'm saying? Like and, and it, I'm not saying it ain't space for everybody. Right. There's space for every single type of person. I just think this system yeah. is going to is just like it's built for the benefit of white heterosexual cisgender males is built for the benefit of people that know how to talk. Yeah, that's real, man. And I, I feel the same way, bro. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, too. We're going to go deep onto the sales topic, bro, because I love that. But also, man, when I see you, man, I see myself. And that's why I really wanted to get you on the show, bro. Like, because when I heard your story, even just now when you was talking about your parents, bro, you got both parents in your life. Like me, I was mm. probably the only brother in my whole entire crew mm. that had mom and dad. Mm. And then on the outside looking in, you see how it affects, you know, people in your crew differently, bro, and how blessed we actually are, bro. So mm -hmm. I would love to just kind of touch on that real quick, bro. Like what kind of impact they had on your life, bro. And, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my, you know, my parents, you know, like I said, they made kind of three pivotal decisions probably in my life. I, I think. I think everything in life is about trying to figure out the context that makes sense for you. You know what I'm saying? And so I think when you're growing up and 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 a lot of what you learn about things, I think, until you get to, you know, your 30s and, and a little bit older, like you, you get a one to one relationship. This is what a parent is. And then if, if your parent isn't that, then it's what a parent's supposed to be. And now you have a disconnect. I think as much as as much as anything, like your parents are there to give you an example, but like any other example, part of it's what you should do and part of it's what you shouldn't, you know? And so that's not to say that my parents, that's not a judgment of them. That's a judgment of any parent. That's a judgment of any sibling, any person, right? We, we in, especially in this kind of Judeo-Christian system, we want to live in a system where people are either angels or devils, right? We don't know, what do you, what do, you do with the fact that Martin Luther King was doing what, what are you talking about that for? It ain't got nothing to do with it, the things that he was doing, right? Because we're not having to build gods. We don't have to build angels. You don't have to be 100% good and never do nothing bad. Like, that's not how it works. We're all people and we're, and we're flawed in many ways. So, 
you know, I think I was, I was, I, I benefited because my parents were together and then my parents were apart. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that like I, I, I benefited from them being apart, but I benefited from seeing them together, you know, and, and that's a privilege, like you're saying, you know what I mean? And so even in the times where, where, where they were apart and I had to make a lot of parental decisions, you know, growing up at, at a very young age, like I still knew kind of the nexus and kind of where it came from and, and what it looked like when two people were swimming in the same direction, so to speak. So yeah. um, it's a great blessing, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm thankful to have both of them around, even if, you know, like I said, they don't always, what are they going to tell me about being a CCO? You know what I'm saying? Like not yeah. much. I still, there's still something to learn. You know what I mean? That's love, bro. That's love. And same, same thing with me, bro. Like with me growing up, bro, like I said, I was the only one out of all my crew. My my spot was the hangout spot. Mom and pops looked at you. They were mom and pops for everybody in the block. You know what I'm saying? That's how it was, bro. Pops worked two jobs for 27 years, nine in the morning to 12 at night, bro. Every yeah. day, bro, for 27 years, bro to grind, put us through private school, get us in a, you know what I mean? And then when, when I made the choice to not follow the path of everybody else, bro, and snuck into sales, bro, I'm like, man, we got we got to we got to do something that's not in vain. That's where I get my hard work and my work ethic and all that other stuff from, bro. And mm-hmm. like so I snuck in the game. So, and you were dealing with the freelance opportunities, you were getting gigs, but it sounded like you wanted to be at a point, bro, where he's making impact. Like I'm doing work. Mm. How am I? What, what does it really mean? Like, how do I really impact people? How do I motivate? How do I inspire people, bro? Especially mm. people that look like me, bro. So, so how did that? Those opportunities start to arise for you? Yeah, I mean, I think especially like when you when you grow up and you start to have like an understanding of how this system works. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. networking, right? Schmoozing, like you want to have something to offer. And I think it's a, it was very frustrating for me, like early in my career, I didn't have much to offer. Like I had my effort to offer, but I couldn't really, mm. oh, I, you want a connection. You want to meet this person. You want to do this. And I didn't have enough. So that's why I'm always so thankful in where I'm at now, because I could really help people. Like I not only have the connections, but I have the knowledge and the experience and the context to, to really help. And that's why I always do that. You know what I mean? Like um, I just started a, a foundation this year, Maison Foundation, uh, which, yeah, is a which is all about kind of. Um, you know, sharing uh, advertising, branding and, and marketing advice with, with underserved people in underprivileged communities. You know what I'm saying? So it's all it's all kind of money where the mouth is, so to speak. But um, I think, you know, the way shit shifted, it's kind of two things, man. It's like. I think you have to put yourself in the in the biggest small pond that you can. Right. Because if you're not sought after aka rare relative to your pool it's hard to get chosen right it's hard to be successful and so me being a native english copywriter in san francisco or america it's a lot of people that speak english me being a native english copywriter in paris very small pool right so it was key for me to understand that based on the feedback that I was getting, which is not literal feedback. It's just like if I if I'm applying a thousand jobs a day because I want to be full time, but I'm freelancing and I'm not getting called back. OK, so there's something that's not adding up here. Yeah, I got to look at my approach. Yeah. Let me change my situation. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I moved to I moved to France, you know, five hundred dollars in a in a one way ticket and, you know, made that's- it happen. Yo, bro. First of all, where do you get yo, that? That's a that's a ballsy move, bro. Like I'm not gonna lie to you. So you, you just took a one way flight to Paris. 
I've been there once. It's a beautiful city. Love Paris, bro. It's yeah. like the Hunger Games. I was in District 8 or something. I forgot what it was called. <laughs> <laughs> was like, yeah, I forgot where I was, bro. It was lit. But like, what made you want to go to France, to Paris of all places? Yeah, I mean, it's not completely out of context. Like, you know, I, I, I speak French. Like, I went to French school as a kid. So I understood the city. But I mean... I always say it that way because that's how real it was. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you're yeah. not going to be willing to go all in and bet on yourself, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you have to – I don't know. Like, that's what I said. Like, I come from from a sports background. Until you get to the last rep, until you get to the point in the workout where your body says you can't do this and you have to push past that, all the other reps are a setup for that rep. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and in many ways in life, it's the same thing. We have a, a gravity towards – comfort that is a natural survival mechanism but like you know you want to be exceptional right you want to make you want to make one percent of the money that's out in the market let's say or you want to win an award only one person wins an award that's by definition exceptional so you have to do exceptional things you can't just do average things or everybody's going left you got to go right in one way or another otherwise you're not going to put yourself in a position to be deserving of exceptional compensation Mm, that's real as that's real as hell, y'all. That's definitely that's a, you know we clipping that up because that was real as hell. <laughs> straight up. And shout out to Rob because that's my bro. He's from the Bay Area. He says shout out to you, yes, bro. Sir. And shout out to Soli man. He says the Bay like Harlem. I never been. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Harlem's unique. Har- Harlem's unique. They used to um they used to call it Fillmore the Harlem of the Bay. Oh, uh, right. Harlem of the West Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and people don't know that. Like back in the um in the twenties, thirties, forties. Fillmore had a, a thriving jazz culture. Like, so when people would tap in MLK included and they came out to the West coast, they would always go to the Fillmore. Um, and it's been, it's been crazy. Like what they've done to that whole, that whole area in that district, you know, gentrifying white uh, redlining and all that kind of shit. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's a lot of overlaps, man. It's a lot of, it's a lot of sauce out there. You know what I mean? It's just kind of been, been spread out. You know what I mean? Like the same people that, Used to be in Fillmore, then ended up in Oakland and Richmond, and now they're out in Antioch and Stockton. But you know, the sauce is still there. Yeah. And shout out to Soli Man. He said, unique indeed. Yeah, Harlem different. You know what I wanted to say, but we're going to keep it, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're going to keep it on that, but we know what Harlem is, baby. But like, yes. yo, bro, before, before you ask you that, and we shout out to the comments, what you said was so real, bro, as far as standing out and being being a, the biggest fish in the smallest pond, bro. And like, that's exactly what happened for me, bro. It's like betting on yourself. Like I was in a weird ass spot in my career, bro. I just came from a place out. I'm, I'm helping products go to market. I was a VP of sales. I was this, I was doing that. But I'm like, damn, I'm staying there for a year. I'm staying there for a year. I make a little money. Then I lose a little money. And then mm-hmm. all this, and I'm like, yo, bro, I'm tired of this shit. I'm like, it's gotta be a better way to do sales, bro. So what I started doing, bro, started the LinkedIn shit. I didn't know anything from anything, just mm. pulled out the phone and we just started working, bro. And then we ended up just generating revenue and getting it going, bro. To now, speaking of brothers like you, Walt, like we mm. had Paxton on last week, bro. He's the founder of founder of um one of the founding partners of the Washington Nationals group, bro. Brother mm. was raised in Compton, youngest at eight, bro. Said the story. Like, I'm like, damn, yeah. bro. And these are the stories I want to hear, bro. So, like, you know, like, I appreciate you for being on, bro. But that's so real. So, anybody listening, you got to bet on yourself, especially in this industry as a black professional. Like, y'all don't know how hard it is and how difficult it is to one, be the stereotype, to one, outwork everybody, outpace everybody, show you something. And then sometimes we don't talk about it enough. You have to dim your light sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you have to pick and choose your spots. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I kind of stopped. I, I had to stop playing the game, bro. I didn't even hate that term. 
And I had a yeah. Madison. I don't know if you're cool with Madison, bro. But if you're not, like, I would love to introduce you. To she, she's a, she's the bomb, bro. But mm. you got to talk about playing the game, bro. And I'm curious, like, as, as you, bro, what, what does that mean to you? Right. Playing well, the game as a black professional, bro. Like, like you, you know what we've always been told. But like, what from your yeah. perspective, bro? I mean, it's, it's all a game. You know what I mean? I think that calling it a game in and of itself is not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a matter of understanding the rules and playing better than everyone else. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it, it, it's always going to be that there's always parameters. You know, I think that Facts. as black people, what's really tricky is they try to tell us that one thing is the game when it's not, you know what I'm saying? So like, for yeah. instance, if anyone goes bankrupt, that's your fault because you shouldn't do that. Whatever the venture is that you were doing, right. Whether it's a restaurant, owning a house, whatever, start an LLC, have the LLC rent the, the restaurant property, right? Yeah. Now, if the restaurant goes under, the LLC folds, you go open another restaurant the next day because that's normal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't put yourself out because that's not the right way to do this. But that's the way they tell us to do. You see what I'm saying? They tell yeah. us to bet the house. Don't bet the house. That's not, that's not the way this game is set up. So for Fact. me... It's not really it's not really about me trying to understand whether it's a game or not. It's about me trying to understand the rules. And that's and that's real too, bro. See, but me with the rules, bro, like and it, and it may be different because I'm in sales, right? Like mm -hmm. sales is like you straight up, you have your quota, you hit your number, you don't. It's very, you know what I mean? It's very binary. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like from that perspective, but even if there's a game inside the game, bro, how I dress, yeah. how you talk, the relationships you make within the place, right? You could be the top seller and nobody like you, and you could be on the chopping block. It's so many different ways and not be able to work cross-functional with teams and all that stuff. And even if you do all of that right, bro, as a black professional, I'm telling you as a dude that hits quota, bro, it is tough. Oh, of course. Tough well, you, have, you understand the game that you got into, right? Like sales exactly. is a tough game, right? It's hard exactly. to be consistently unique and, and exceptional in the sales game. I think, you know, it, it, it the main thing though what you talked about before and, and and in the foundation we talk about two main things that we're solving for right one is context and one is support support is peer-to-peer -peer nepotism i know that uncle my uncle is the run the ceo of this that yeah. that and the third thing i think the context part though is super important i'm never gonna go look especially a young black or brown person in the eye and tell them that they got to dress different talk different this that and the third yeah but i want them to understand when they are zigging, when the people around them are zagging. So you can decide for yourself. I'm not saying that I show up as my real self in every single conversation. Yeah. Personally, that's not a choice that I like to make. And I don't think it's advantageous, but I want to win more than I feel like being worried about being comfortable. You see what I'm saying? So that's a, that's a different thing. But what we don't have when we're entering these environments is we don't have context, right? And I'll use an example. So I went up to uh, to Amherst College, my alma mater, the, a couple a couple months ago in the alumni and residence program, and I talked to some students. And a young uh, Cape Verdean black dude um, from Boston came in, and he said, you know, he pulled me over aside after. He was like, "Man, as soon as you walked in, I saw your shoes, and I knew I dressed wrong." And I'm like, "Yeah, you look like you're going to a finance meeting." That's not how we dress in advertising. And he was like, he was like, damn, I said a word of Jays. And I was like, yeah, you should have. But again, he didn't have the context to understand because how he dressed, if he was going to a JP Morgan exposure meeting, he should have dressed like that. If he's going yeah. to an advertising thing, you gotta dress a little different. 
You know what I mean? And that's the context. That's what we're trying to solve for. Then everyone can make their own choices, right? You want to show up in a hat. You want to show up in a do-rag. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to wear a do-rag, but I'm not from that era. You know what I'm saying? That's not the house attire. You feel me? That's just not, that's not me. <laughs> but the, the flip side to that, to bro, I played the game, bro. Had the Oxford. Me and Walt talked about it too, bro. He said the same shit. He said you can see the wingtip shoes. You can see it on Instagram and the shit, yeah. shit popped off. And the same shit happened to me, bro. Soon I was like, yo, I'm tired of this shit. I'm, yo, I'm going on like this because, you know what I mean? My old boss said some real shit to me. He was like, yo, if they don't like you like this, chances are they weren't going to do business with you anyway, bro. So work on the people that's going to do business with you. And that's the one gem that stuck out to me, bro. The same thing like for rapping on like 38 Special said this on an interview. Like he said, like, yo, who I rap for? My friends. I don't need mm. to rap for everybody else. I know what these mm. dudes do and they love me. There's millions of people that's like them, bro. And a similar right. thing. So I was like, you know, started putting myself out there. And we did it. As soon as I started showing up like this, deals became easy, bro. I didn't even have to send emails right. It was just like, yeah, I want to chill with you. I want to do this with you. Let's do this. Oh, let's build. And it's just love. It's genuine. You know, I'm not going to screw you over. I'm not going to do nothing crazy. If I can't do it, I'll tell you. You know what I'm saying? Right. But, you know, like even even with Walt, because I've heard him say that a lot of times, like your permissions change as the time change and your context change, right? Hmm. I don't know if he could even say with confidence that he sees a departure in – when he shifted towards dressing more authentically like himself. But if he rewinds five years before that, would changing the way you dress have had the same response? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. the younger you are, you're in a you're in experience and trust deficit. So, you know, mm-hmm. you could show up as yourself and you now departed yourself even further from the context of the environment you're in, right? It takes a while to get to the place where being more distinguished, it still doesn't derail you, it actually elevates you. You see That's what I'm saying? So I'm not going to tell everybody to show up day one and totally just be doing this and that. Because by default, when you're in the early, you know, zero to five years of your career, you're very replaceable. And you have to mm-hmm. start to understand that. Like, yeah. don't be playing with your money. It doesn't make sense. That's real. And like you said, it, it, the experience. When the experience and the confidence to say, I know I can do my job and I'm that dude, that's when you can do it. You know what I'm saying? I've got the relationship. Yeah. And that's real talk. So that you hit on the ill point, bro. And so, like, yo, so I'm curious, too. Like, I would love to go into the sales. It's a good segue into that, bro. So, like, tell me about, like, one of, you know, well, how do you prepare for these pitches, bro? Or what is one pitch that stands out in your mind? Because I'm a seller, bro. I do all types of shit. I pump myself up. I do all types of crazy shit. What is your preparation like? And matter of fact, before I even go into that, for those who are not, because I got cousins and aunties and them listening, you know what I mean? So Dre works at an agency, right? So for instance, if I'm working at an agency, I have a specific service. If I want to work with a Gatorade, they'll put out a, something called an RFP, which is a request for proposal. Right. Mm-hmm. It'll say, hey, we want to do this, this and the third. And we want these people to execute it at this timeline for this budget. And then a bunch of companies and agencies, they set out a bid for that request saying what they're going to do and ideas and so on and so forth. And with Dre is on on these, he's on these pitches at some of the highest levels, like holding companies. So, right. Holding companies is a big overseeing agency and they have smaller agencies that specialize in certain principles of marketing, whether it be branding, agency, creative, SEO, whatever the case may be, and they make the conglomerate. So just to give the context to everybody else. So when you get these, right, and some of those like Gatorade and Adidas, those are like special RFPs. Not everybody's getting that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got to know somebody. Yeah. Know somebody. They're not going to give it to Joe Schmo. I don't care how good. That is rare, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think one thing that I that I do do 
first of all, I mean, you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta know, you gotta know your bag. So I, I, I think I worked hard against the skills that I needed to have. I think the number one enemy that I have in any day is time. And so mm-hmm. I had to figure out, and this was like a conscious shift, maybe like the last four or five years, like how can I come into a situation and I look at a minimum amount of information and give a maximum amount of feedback and, and, and direction that's going to inspire that person to take that away and apply that and then, you know, exponentially improve where they are. Right. So mm-hmm. I work against myself to make sure I can give feedback quickly and I can understand things quickly. That also helps because I'm good at thinking quickly, but I'm playing my own strengths, but I'm playing against the weaknesses that I have in the system. Um, I think when it comes to pitches, like one thing that I do do, there's like a TED talk about it, but like um, I do the starfish. No, so, I've heard of that. Yeah. So if you take up space, right, like literally five minutes before you get on a call, right, you just starfish you take up as much space as possible it literally releases the endorphins in your body to make you more confident and the and the, and the same opposite thing happens so like if you're sitting in a uh, interview you know in a hallway waiting for an interview and you have your legs crossed your arms crossed and you're coiling your body and making yourself small it's like a fetal position and that's actually going to actually diminish your confidence it's going to make you feel less confident when you walk in it's just like some psychosemantics yeah so that is one thing that I do do, but at the end of the day, man, like a pitch or like any other thing, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a live performance. The show must go on. If the slides are right, they're right. You know, no one knows if they're right or wrong. You got to just do your thing and you got to make sure you're compelling. You know, like my biggest thing I tell people is how are other people going to believe you if you don't believe yourself? Facts. You know, you got to be confident. Like, Everything I said to you today, you believe me because I sound like I mean what the fuck I just said. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and that's and that's a huge part of it, right? People come into it and they're oh, you sound like you don't know, bro. Can I get I your attention? Right. <laughs> right, right. You're all apologetic. Like just come in and be like, hey, this is it. Buy this. If you don't like it, you know, I was just talking, I was talking with a uh so funny. I was talking with a friend of mine, another CCO yesterday a latin dude he's like i went into this pitch with this big um candy bar brand like huge you know fortune fortune 500 whatever it is we went and pitched the whole thing we go you know whatever and then they're like hey but that's that's not the brief that's not what we asked for he's like no i know we could do what you asked for but this (laughs) this is round two like we already know this we already gonna do that that's why i didn't even answer that Man just pivoted the whole thing. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, chapter two. Okay, cool, yeah, all right. You know, like, I love that. No, you just gotta. Something gotta, frozen right there. Like, I already know I got you. We, why are we talking about this? But what happens you know, when we do this? I didn't want to answer your brief. I was going to answer no. <laughs> this is what you got to do, chapter two. They were like, oh, okay. So, you know, you have to have the confidence to sell it. I think it's, you know, it's chicken and egg. You have to actually have the goods, you know, at the end of the day. Like, you know, yeah. you can't just keep saying you're the best basketball player like at some point you're gonna play against kd and you're gonna get diced up so you know you gotta you gotta be confident but you gotta also know your game you know what i mean you gotta do gotta do the work 
See, but that's why I love that, bro. Like, SaaS sales is completely different from that. And I love that, bro, because it's a blank canvas. And I would love to, yo, bro, I would love to go. I would love to see we all be on the RFP. Like, damn, yo, that shit was fire, bro. You got that one. I'm pretty sure you <laughs> And everybody in the crew is like, yo, that shit was fire. You got that one, bro. So I know y'all up-loving each other's game, bro. And I love that. But it's that's totally different than SaaS. And SaaS sales, or just sales in general, bro, you have to believe in what you're selling. And with you, bro, you're selling the idea and you're selling the execution, mm. selling the vision, bro. And like, that's a much easier. It's like me selling myself. You know what I'm saying? That's easy. Right. I can sell myself all day. If I can't sell that, but selling a product that you're not. And I've been in situations where you're selling some shit and you're like, I don't really believe it. It comes across that way. It's like, mm. this shit might mm. work. It might not work. I just need my commission, bro. Like, all that type of shit, bro. So I, I, I love that. So, which, what pitch from you, bro, stands out the most, or what is the craziest thing that's happened on the pitch, where whether you made a messed up, you had to pivot real quick, anything like yeah. that? Um, I mean, I, I never really been in a situation where it went super left, to be honest. But, um, the, the one that stands out the most. I mean, we pitched the uh, Las Vegas tourism business about two years ago. At this point now. Um, which was, which was super interesting. I mean, I was like a couple months into, to working at gray, you know, as, as an ECD and mm-hmm. Vegas is a place that's always been very fascinating to me because, you know, one, my context to it is not as an adult. So most people go Vegas gambling, blah, blah, blah. Like I was there when I was like 12, like playing AAU tournaments. So for me, it was always like a place where there's like basketball games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, from from there, you know, we went we went and pitched the business and it's a government pitch. So, first of all, everyone's freaking out. Right. Because they're like, you have to open a city council meeting in order to have the pitch process. And they're like, it's public. Everyone could see you got the yeah. mayor, city of Las Vegas. Well, and I, and I thought it was funny because I've seen a lot of those public public meetings before. Right. Like back in SF or down in L.A. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um my, my sister-in-law's PIO of the city of Santa Monica. So it's like, I know those meetings, which I found to be super funny, but um, it was, it was memorable, man. Like it was one of the best pitches that I ever been a part of. Like it all lined up the strategy, the creative, you know, it was the first time I was pitching, you know, with my boss and, the, and also my boss, boss, the worldwide, you know, CCO. And, and just, it was a moment where, I did my thing and then you could see it side by side. Cause the thing that I, that I really dislike about working is there's not the honesty of a game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you want to tell me you better than me at basketball, like that's cool. We go to a court. Like, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you, the best man win. Right. 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 You could sit here and say, Oh yeah, well the Celtics should have won the chance. Nah, but you didn't though. That's you know, it. I caught the L that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. But when you start deflating the basketball and doing right, right. Shit, all this other, you and can't. it's not flexing like you did it on the, you know, I yeah. hate that shit. So, oh, and God. so that's the thing that I was like, wow, okay, these are people that, whether they're by my metrics or not, mm-hmm. the industry says that they are some of the best. They have achieved some of the things. And we, we right here, you know what I'm saying? We right here, you know, it was a, it was a moment. So for me, that was super memorable. And, you know, what was really funny or interesting about that is people will ask me after, like, oh, did you think you won? And that thought had actually never crossed my mind at all. Like, mm-hmm. if I go out on the out to whatever and I do my very best and I know I gave every effort that I have, 
You know, the rest of it's out of context. That's in God's hands. That got nothing to do with me. You know what I'm saying? We win or lose. I mean, we did win because, you know, it's like that. But, you know, I wasn't worried about it at the time because I can't control that, you know, especially in a, in a, in a situation where it's a government encounter. There's lots of other things going on. There's politics. There's there's office politics. There's budget constraints. There's all kinds of things that have to do with why you might not be successful. But you got to be able to control everything you control yourself and control your effort. And did you yeah. do everything that you could have done? And we did it all. And. The rest is the rest. No, that's real. And how, I'm curious. How long do you get to pitch in an account like that? You get 10 minutes, 15. Like, how long are those pitches? Oh, no, no, no. So we did three rounds. It's um, like two hours every time. Two hours we every time. Flight, we had a flight to Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. A, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking, like, it's a round robin. There's, like, five of y'all. We're going to give y'all 30 minutes. No, nah, it, was, it was crazy. That was the biggest pitch at the time. So it was, like, 44 agencies to start that did the RFP and yeah. just – submitted information it went down from there to i think 10 that did a a, a virtual presentation and then there was a top four that did a in-person presentation um the in-person portion was like two hours each that's dope bro yeah. and then, so and you know what something i always wanted to ask for your role bro i wanted to ask walt but how is success viewed in your role Right. Like, is it the amount of wins that you accumulate from an RFP? Is it the actual work that you do that's successful for an existing client? Like, how is that role? You know, how do you define that? I mean, I think I think that's one of the trickiest things, because success is very subjective. I think, you know, in this role, it's one of those things where. I would define like, okay, to the quote that you had earlier, right, my friends like how I rap. Like I would define success at the types of people that are excited about the work that I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Which doesn't come very often because you don't have that opportunity. That's not saying the industry defines success by can line awards, DNA D's, pencils, Clio's, you know, Andy's, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. These are flawed systems. You know what I'm saying? Like I always advocate for, especially the black and brown people around me to go win awards, not necessarily because you have to believe in them or not, but because they're institutionalized cultural capital. You go win a can lion award, you go, the price is going up. Yeah, absolutely. That's how this works. That's why you go get a degree because the price is going up. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, but you're talking about what should be the metric for success, which is financial success, whether it's organic growth, as you're saying, what clients you already have, or whether it's new business growth. Um, those things are mostly measured as, you know, whether you get bonuses or not, but they don't really translate as much as to whether like you're considered to be a good creative leader or not. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of your measure of success is like, is the creative good? But that's all relative to the people who are around you. Because some people like yeah. like some dookie, to be honest. You know what I'm saying? So, which goes back to like you said with the awards, right? Like, so when I was working at Con, the brands we basically were saying, if you want a Con Alliance award as a brand or whatever, an agency, it's equivalent to one million dollars in new revenue just from the exposure that you would get. That was a stat back in like 2013, bro. So how did how did your career change when you actually got that that stamp? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm ad week top creative. I want to con lines. Like how did your career change and what opportunities presented itself as yeah. a result of it? I mean, like was it like overnight? Like soon as you won it, like it was like lit. Nah, <laughs> yeah. I think that happens to people though. Like for instance, you know what I'm saying? Like I have a friend of mine um, who who worked on a project and and then he he got like 
number two best uh, copywriter in Europe, like on the one show awards like list, you know, which is kind of like rivals rankings to a certain extent, which yeah. I'm like, that's funny. Um, but then you start getting calls, you start getting, you start getting, you know, um, you start getting job offers and things like that. For me, it didn't really happen overnight. I think a lot of the work I did with Adidas, like everyone saw it, but no one knew I was doing it. Mm. So it was kind of like, you know, coming off the back of, of winning, the, you know, getting the Ad Week 100 and, you know, being a judge, you know, in the Can Lion Awards. I, I was on the outdoor jury last year, you know what I'm saying? Which, which as you know, very rare, very rare for a black person. Um, Congrats too, bro. I was really getting, you know, like um, I spoke with Simon Cook and he pulled me aside. He's a CEO of Can Lions, you know, super good dude. Yeah. He pulled me aside and he was like, how do I not know you? And I'm like, yeah, that's a good question. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I think it just started to open doors for me in, in the conversation. And I'm thankful to be in a place now where it's like, I don't know if I'm making another resume at this point, you know? And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I, if you compare that with where we started the conversation, when I'm sending out a thousand, you know, a thousand uh, uh, job, you know, LinkedIn, you know, job applications a month, I'm very far from that. So I'm very thankful for that. But it wasn't like an overnight thing. It just kind of, it just kind of happened. And now I realize, like, oh, okay, that's not really, that's not really what they're judging me on now anymore. You know. Yeah, bro. And, and you know what? It, it actually made me think of something when you said that. So like two weeks ago, bro, I had Mary Webb on the show. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's the creator of Flow from Progressive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we were talking about you being in an agency. You come up with this great piece of work, right? Something like Flow. You do the RFP. It's five, 10 million, whatever the case may be. Now the oh, campaign. What It's bigger than that. Yeah, bro, way bigger than that, right? I'm just throwing a number, right? But in your yeah, case, yeah. it's like 50, 100 if you're dealing with those top tier brands, right? But then right. it does 10x on the back end, right? Something like Flow from Progressive changed the outlook and impacted the bottom line in ways that are invaluable to that brand, right? But then you as a creator, you don't get it because what you sign is what you sign. This is the agreement. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you monetize additionally off your creative in your name, right? Do you think there's a way to be able to make that happen? Because that's kind of crazy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. You know, I mean, it's, uh, there's always a pound of flesh, you know what I'm saying? Like there's always an exchange, you know? So I yeah. think in some situations, you know, you want to think that your growth goes like this, but it really goes like, yeah. steps. and so I know like from certain situations that I've been in, like, I think you can only achieve one thing at a time. Sometimes I have to gain in cultural capital and sometimes I have to gain in financial capital. And then mm -hmm. usually it's not both at the same time. So, you know, she might, you know, there, there's people that have done stuff like Flow for Progressive. She'll probably get a job for the rest of her life just off of just the fact that she made that. So mm -hmm. did she need to get the money at the time for that? Or is all the money she makes for the rest of her career to pay for that? You know Dang, what I'm saying? That's, that's, a, that's a hard question, bro. That's a tough yeah. question, depending on what... Depends what if the number I could have got on the front end when I got it. If you got me a commission and I got like 10, 10 M's off of performance of the first four quarters a day and you didn't exponentially grown. But it's not. But but again, like I said, right back to the question of the game. Is it about trying to understand if it's a game or not or just understand the rules? There's no way that you're coming up with an idea as an agency or individual 
and getting and monetized off commission off of that idea. It's just not structurally how any of this this shit works. So if you yeah. wanted to be like that, you could, but you'd have to make an agency. You'd have to make that agency successful enough that clients the size of Progressive would be willing to engage with you. And then you have to propose them a different financial modeling because they wouldn't have expected that. So there's a lot of change that would have to go into that. Yeah. To, to do things as, as, as next to each other. Yeah. And sometimes it happens, but it, it's a little bit more complicated than that, it's, right? It's, it's like a lot of moving pieces. Now, I'm, to, I'm totally with you. It's hard to make that work. Like so, so the agency she was working with, they won, right? They still a client to today, and that's the They're relationship, fun. right? Like you don't leave that client. Everybody else wins. But I'm like, damn, if you have that idea, like, you, you can't just hit the mountaintop on that idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. Other ways you can do, it. but like you said, it, it, it's in the context of the game. But now she has her own agency. Now she has clients. I was asking her, you know, like shit. I know people come up to you, yo. Can you make me a flow? And it's all that. And that's a price. That's a brand. That's a value, bro. So we got a really interesting conversation about that, bro. So I was just curious what you thought about that, man. And then like for you, bro. Like so, what what is right now? What is the what is the one creative piece of work that you hang your hat on right now? Could you tell us the story about that, bro? Yeah, I mean. That's a good question. I don't mean to like not answer the question, but I honestly like I think it's a, it's a, it's a curse of, of of being creative. Like I can tell I can tell if someone else's work is good or bad, and I can tell if my work is like bad, but once it gets past bad, like between good and great and 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 memorable, I have a hard time judging because when I look at it, I know too much about it. Right. Like I always say this, like if you go ask Kobe about scoring 81 points, he'll probably be like, I missed four free throws. Just a day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he'll understand, like he could have done better that day. And that's not to say like you're being not humble or ungrateful. It's just to say, like when you're in the process, like you understand, like this should have been a little bit better, bro. Like it was some concessions, bro. Like it should have yeah, been. It was a little mid. It was like- <laughs> right. Right. For, for what it should have been, you know? So, I mean, there's definitely, you know, stuff that, that I've done, like, the thing I point to the most is, you know, we, we sent a shoot of space, you know, for Adidas to the International Space Station, which is like, that's dope. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I did that by myself, but like, you know, working hard to get the opportunity to be a part of a project like that. And like, actually, you know, that goes back to like, you know, being a kid and like the magic school bus and like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's dope. Reading Rainbow type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. Star Trek, like, you know what I mean? Like, it really, that really happened. And so that that was crazy. And and I felt like the visuals that we put, the concept, you know, goodbye gravity, the campaign, everything we did all lived at that level that it was it was worthy of the moment. And so I was, you know, I'm always, you know, really excited about that. I think what's been crazy is I feel the momentum building right now. And so I'm just like, imagine what we could do, you know, and I'm and I'm and I'm so focused on that. Like we gotta make some new shit. Fact. It's too old. Everything else that I've done is too old. I'm not mad at you, bro. One one <laughs> thing I do I do say I feel it's bro, and who else to do it but us? Like as far hey, as creativity, you know what I'm saying? Like we are creative. It, it, it's in us, it's not on us. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's why, mm-hmm. and that's what pisses me off about a lot of the the keynote speaking circuit, right? Like I go into some of these places, bro, and I'm about to, bro, by this year, I'm putting it on camera. By this time next year, I'm going to be the little baby of this shit. I'm telling yeah. you, bro, yeah. I'm going to be everywhere. You're going to see me in the spas draft. I promise you, bro. Jay yeah. Dow, 
dripping, like, and just talking my shit, bro, because I'm tired of it. I don't see yeah. nobody look like us. And that was the problem I had early in my career, bro. There was no, I, I couldn't find a you, a Ken, yeah. Emmanuel, Walt, bro. I might yeah. see one other brother in the conference. I can give him the head nod from like across the room. And right. we just like, are we here, family? <laughs> Remember them days, bro? So like, yeah. where did that come from too, bro? Because that Black Madison ad project was so powerful. Mm, that's mm. why I, I love telling the stories too, Ben, because I need people from, like I said, me and Walt from the X, bro. I need somebody out here. I go to the block right now. People are asking, yo, Jay, yo, I love your shit. Yo, let's do a podcast. So let's do this. I got ideas. And that's the shit that matters, bro. So yeah. what made you step out and really all you guys to really put your, your, your career on the line, bro, to speak about something mm. that affects us as black professionals, bro. That, that took a lot of courage. It took yeah. a lot to put your names out there, bro, especially when we talk about playing the game concept. Yeah, for sure. No, I appreciate that first and foremost. Like, I, mean, real, I, think, bro. I think for me, you know, it's it's there's no point in getting subbed into the game if you're not, you know, if you're not gonna shoot the shot, you know. And I think the moment came to be that you can you can be honest about the situation, you can use your platform or you could not, you know, and I'm always a person who's gonna use my platform to a fault. And, and, and I realize the privilege that lies in that. You know what I'm saying? Like when I show up and dress like how I want or I speak how I want, like that's a privilege, you know? And I had the privilege to be able to use my platform to just say what I wanted and to be in a moment in my career where I could say, hey, either either y'all gonna like what I say or you not. And if you like it, then you gonna want more. And if you're not, you can go that way. You know what I'm saying? Like that's one of the things I went to, I went to college, like I was saying at Amherst College, like out in Massachusetts and I find Massachusetts and New England in general to be like one of the most racist places in, in oh, America. Sure. But in many ways, like I, I'd rather be in the South where you just call me an N word and I know you coming rather than just be on some like, Oh, what's up? I'm with the ethnic, like, come on. Okay. Yeah, let's just on. filter out the BS bro. Let's just filter. Right. Just the filter. Just straight through. You don't like black people. That's cool, bro. Bet. Stay over there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I'd rather just be honest on that. And so, you know, facts for me when when Walt hit me and he was like, "Hey, we got an opportunity." You know what I'm saying? What should we do? Blah blah. blah. And we started kind of brainstorming on the concept. It was like, "Yeah, okay, say less." Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the fact that you could fit all seven of us in a room we never even met before, like that's what's so crazy. Like you you listen to that conversation and it sounds like some Sahas talking. Like you know what I'm saying that been been met each other and known each other and, and that's just not what it was like we had never met before but just off the strength of having been through the same things and having a similar you know a somewhat similar background we could always connect on so much exactly and that's the testament of it the testament of the moment is it still has relevance today and and also like people don't know they think we all knew each other like exactly. I, I talked to Walt like twice on the phone like on LinkedIn like Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it's an imperative for y'all to have those conversations and have that relationship, bro. So yeah. it's, it's like the content creator conversation they were saying, like like Buttons was saying, like how Gilly needs to talk to him. He needs to talk to them. Right. We know what's going on in those spaces, how they're treating you so we could end up giving ourselves advantage in the game. Right. Context. That's it, baby. That's it, bro. And yeah. last, bro, I didn't realize we on 50, bro, because I'm 
Yo, bro, this was just a dope ass conversation. Bro. Yeah. It was a good time, bro. So, like, man, you've done so much in your career, man. You're at a place where you're you're still ascending, bro. You're doing amazing things. What does the mountaintop look like for you, bro? And and what is something that that you're looking to do? Like when when the game's over, bro. Like Mitch said, he said, "Well, they still love me." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What does that look like for you, bro? What what do you what do you what does the mountaintop look like for you? And what do you want your legacy to be? Well, the legacy is, you know. I want you, I would, you know, I always just say, don't ask me, ask someone else. You know what I mean? It'd be hard put on for other people and how many lives I could change along the way. Like, I really believe to the point that you made earlier, you know, creativity comes from a lack of resources and black people and black women in particular are the most historically under-resourced. So therefore they're the most creative. So if you're making a creative environment, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not, it's not on us, it's in us. You know what I'm saying? So. You know, I can put people on. I put people on to make four hundred thousand dollars. I put people on to make two hundred thousand dollars. Like this life changing money, and and early enough that they could make that for ten years. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to look back from that. So um, I want to put on as many people as possible. Not everyone can be put on. Not everyone should be put on. You know what I'm saying? So, True. but that's the legacy side. You know what I'm saying? Like I think True. the there is no mountaintop. I'm very fearful of that because. You know, that's something I learned in my life from from people very close to me. I think once you exhale, it's very hard to get back on the horse. And so um, I'm very weary of getting to a place where I feel like I've achieved what I what I need to get to until it's time to, you know, if everything's set up and I ain't got to work again, then then I could do that at that point. You know what I'm saying? But I'm far from that because. My lifestyle is expensive. You know what I'm saying? I'm not mad. Um, <laughs> that's real. I, I just myself. But what I will say is, you know, in terms of what I think the outcome could be, like there got to there there has to be a black person who's in the conversation, and right now the conversation is is Wine and Kennedy, and then that's it. Mm. And they've been making black ads since the jump. You know, was it Spike Lee or Jim Ridwall? No. You know who Jim Riswald is because you know the Can Lion archives, but no. everyone in the world only knows Spike Lee. And could you have replaced that with anyone else? But from an ad game perspective, from a financial perspective, you know, who 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 got the bag? You know what I'm saying? So um until until we change the narrative and then that conversation, and I'm not saying that's gonna be me. I'm saying I believe I can teach the game enough that it's gonna be within three degrees of separation, it's possible, whether it's me or another person. Or you know, a person I work with, or a person that they work with, or whatever. But we got to keep fighting until that's the answer. That's, that's a fact. And for those listening, Wyatt and the Kennedy, the, uh, the agency that does a lot of the Nike stuff, majority of Nike, all yeah. of Nike stuff. So, so that's, well, that's really right now, the Nike. Yeah, that's real, bro. And like to give you, bro, before we go, bro, like my my legacy is similar, bro. Like when I first started. With the LinkedIn shit, I'm going to keep it all the way real. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I just want to sell shit and build relationships. I was just like, yeah, I'm tired of sending a thousand effing emails. This shit is lame. It's got to be a better way to do this. I know they're training me to do this shit, but it's got to be a better way. So let me just go left and see what happens. And then shit took off, bro. But as shit took off, I realized the story started to impact people. When I'm like, y'all was at Starbucks and I'm smelling like ribs and BBQs and I throw the hat on and shit like that. Like I get messages like every other day, bro. Yo, I started being myself in these spaces, bro. Yo, I hit quota twice this quarter or this quarter. Da, da, da. Yo, lo, thank you, bro. Dude from Soundview. You know what I'm saying? People from where I'm from, bro. You know, I know dudes ain't neither black in 30 years. 
<laughs> and they talking about opening a business, bro. That's real shit. And that's right. the shit. That, like, even if it's not me, it's just that impact, bro. The money gonna come because I'm being genuine, a smart motherfucker. I know what to do, and I, I'm genuine. Like, even with our relationship, bro, I wouldn't even ask you. I would never ask you for nothing, bro. Right. You came on the show and, and you give me knowledge, bro. I'm learning. Right, right, right. game, bro, and now I get to give it to the next person and the next person, and, and, and it's a cycle, bro. So I appreciate you for that, man. And that's how we really win, bro. I want the twenty-one-year-old me to be like, "Yo, he's not alone." Exactly, exactly, and that's a support piece. You know what I'm saying? They got a that the biggest lie they told us that we were alone. That's the biggest lie ever, bro. So, man, I just want to say, man, thank you again, bro, for joining, man. Like, I'm rooting for you, my brother. Sky's the limit. You know what I mean? And plus, let anybody know, bro, because we still got some viewers, bro. Anybody where they could support you, reach you at, they want to holler at you. Yeah, I'm um, LinkedIn is always good. Instagram is good. Andre G. Gray, G-R-A-Y. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm Googleable, so you can find me. That's why I got to keep it clean because. You <laughs> keep it. You never know, bro. Gotta keep brand safety. Brand safety, everybody. <laughs> but yo, bro, ski man. Yo, happy holidays to you and the family, man. Much love, my brother. Um, hope it's successful, twenty twenty three. You know, everybody listening. Thank you guys, cause like, yo, man, this was a crazy year, man. I, I got laid off like three months ago, and mm. last week I'm talking to the founder of. Uh, of the Washington Nationals, bro, from the Bronx in the right. crib, still in the trenches. You know what I'm saying, bro? So I just want anybody to know anything's possible, bro. Thank you for believing in me, showing love, bro. Thank you for all y'all for showing love, man. This is, you know, next year we're going to turn it up, man. I'm just excited, right. excited for the growth, baby. If you ain't counting, if you ain't looking over your shoulder yet. That's it, man. I'm, I'm ready. Ready to do it. I'm jumping off the porch. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Jumping off the yeah. porch. Excited, bro. Like, you know what I mean? I just can't wait, bro. I did some crazy, like, bro, do you even think about it? Like, just not even go off track, but like, bro, from LinkedIn, I've been able yeah. to interview you, Walt, the CEO of Revolt, the CEO of Rap Snacks, the founder yeah. of Washington Nationals, bro, like CEO 16 Handles, like, yo, bro, random organic conversation, bro. And I be telling people the power that shit if you just put yourself out there, bro. They wasn't gonna let me through the front door. I'm too real. Like what did he say <laughs> with the Corey Holcomb shit? Like with Oprah, he's like, no, nah, yeah. I'm, I'm too real for the Oprah show. <laughs> of course, of course. You know what I'm saying? But like that's that's what it's stake for everybody. Hundred percent stake for everybody. You know what I'm saying? So that's I appreciate it, you. You know, appreciate you making this platform and allowing me to grace the stage, as it were. And anything I could do to help, I'm here for it. Whether that's you or whoever's listening, you know what I mean. Thank you again, my bro, man. So happy holidays again to you, man. Much love, bro. Happy holidays to everybody at home. 2023, let's make this shit pop, y'all. Let's get it. But welcome to, thanks for another episode and the last one of the season of More Than a Title, y'all. We out of here. What you know about me?